Thank you for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today, paper engineer and the pop-up master himself, Matthew Reinhardt, returns to the show to talk all about his latest book from Inside Editions, Star Wars, The Ultimate Pop-Up Galaxy. And Talking Bay 94 producer Jason gets out on the mic as well to help me ask the big questions all about design and Easter eggs in his work. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 52, The Return of Matthew Reinhardt. Jason is an art director and he's the VP of creative now at Fangoria. And so we thought it'd be interesting to talk about process and design and, and really get into the nitty gritty, um, especially with this very, you know, uh, Eric sent the book over. Um, now that it's out, we'd love to talk more about it. Yeah, sure. Cool. Jason, you have your questions. You take them away. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of touched on it that you had started as, you know, you're going to school for medicine and then you switched over and got more into illustration and the whole bookmaking. But what was like the whole catalyst that like made you want to like just change the path for that? And what kind of got you into it? Well, I mean, the main impetus at the, at the beginning of it was just like, I need to make money. <laughs> you know, like you need to survive, right? So you know, I was lucky enough to work as an apprentice with somebody just because I needed money. And at the time, but it was something, you know, what's weird is like, it was something that I always did, but I didn't really think about it. You know what I mean? Like making things out of paper or making things like that, building stuff. Like that was just a way that I, I guess I'd express myself. That's something I did as a kid uh-huh. and I continued to do as an adult, but I didn't really think that it was like something that, you know, a viable career. But so the impetus that, huh, that really pushed me into doing it full time was, I'm trying to think like the exact thing. Well, I had some success doing like this, this first pop-up book uh, that was sort of foisted on me um, because the person that I was working for couldn't do it. And it was really weird and I didn't think it was going to come out and it was stupid. But it was actually shockingly like it was well received. Okay. And at the same time, I was able to do another book co-authored with the person I was working with and it became like it got a lot of, you know, it, it was a New York Times bestseller, which is shocking for a pop-up book. And so that was the thing that kind of pushed me over. Well, I mean, I get, well, those things, obviously I was really set in my career. What's the thing that really pushed me over? Did I tell you guys about the iBank? Did we talk about that? I don't think so. Me working. So, okay. Okay. So, all right. So uh, I finished undergrad. It was biology, studied that. And I was always doing art and, you know, building stuff like I was saying. But it was on the side. My mom, I, I remember distinctly, like, uh, as, as I was, like, freaking out about having to go in, you know, to, to try uh, to apply for medical school, my parents sending me some article that was about a doctor who liked to paint. It was, like, in the, you know, it was in the newspaper. And they're like, see, now look at this. You know, they sent it to me. And let me tell you, my parents aren't that, I mean, I love them, but they're not, like, that thoughtful. So they were, you know, when I received, like, uh cut out from the newspaper them you know that was very directed you know like it was very much like this is what you know this is the way you should be so i figured like okay i can still do you know this this thing that really is important to me while being you know pursuing a career that i may not necessarily be into but the um uh so i i got into med school and then i took a year off i lived in new york city and when i was in new york i couldn't find a job and while i was able to find a job for that year uh, before med school, working for something called the iBank for Sight Restoration. It is not a bank. It is like they take out dead people's eyeballs and they use the corneas for corneal transplants all over the world. And so I was one of the iBank techs and I would go to all of these 
morgues all over New York City. And here I'm like 23 or 24, and I'm going all over New York City. I, I had just moved there, you know, like I'm, I'm driving all around. I, I, I'm trying to um, persuade people to let me into the morgue, you know, at, in, in the middle of the night, all over, like not just New York, like Bronx, you know, all these places to go and do this, you know, procedure. And it was, you know, like, you go there and you, you, you look, I mean, you know, you're dead, you're dead. All right. So you go and you see this and stuff and you see, but I think the things that affected me the most were like young people who died early mm. before they should die, you know? And I, I think that that was the thing that really made me realize, like, I cannot be doing something I don't love. Right. Like you, you work too much in your life and, you know, and it could end anytime. So like, you better be doing something you love. And, um, so it was, I mean, it was going and taking out dead people's eyeballs that really like pushed me into wanting to pursue a, another career. You know, like I got to tell you working for uh, the dead people, like in a, when you work in a, in a medical situation, in my opinion, it wasn't the dead people turned me off. It was the living people like working with patients is really hard. Like, and I just don't have the personality for it. So I think that, um, I, you know, I would say like, um, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the dead people that, you know, but, you know, turned me off of going into medicine. It was the living ones. Um, cause it's just like, it, it's a really hard profession and you have to be really dedicated in that way. And I, I'm just not built for it. So after, you know, a year of like working at this eye bank, um, I told my parents, like, I can't go to med school. I was out of their graces for just a few, uh, like a month at the most, but mm -hmm. like, Pretty good. they were really cool about it. Yeah. Like I, I was shocked and they just said, listen just do some research. Like, we don't want you to be a starving artist. Like, we don't want you to be, you know, I'm, well, basically, we don't want to pay for you for the rest of our lives. So they said, find something that is real, that you can, you can pay for the education and you can do it. And, um, and, and there are jobs. So, um, and, and then, and it's something that's like, you're not, you know, it's not too high in the sky. You know, sometimes you, you have to be a little realistic about what you can do, what your abilities are. Yeah. And um, so I got into school at Pratt Institute, as a industrial design person. And then, you know, went from there, you know, doing, some, I did some, wanted to do toy design, but I ended up, you know, shunting over to children's books. But it, yeah, I mean, you see people whose lives are cut short uh, and, and especially young people and you're like, shit, you just, you just think that, you know, this is, life is too short. You gotta do something that makes you happy. You know, work is, you know, work is work. Everyone, everything is hard, you know, I love it, but it's hard. But you, you've gotta, you gotta really, if, if you're the kind of person that I am, like, it's important that that work time, which I'm very work, I'm very passionate about, like that is really something you care about. I am not a uh, five day a week. Woo, it's Friday sort of person. Like my work sometimes continues on into the weekend and I'm happy to be that. Yeah, way. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like applying that, what your abilities are, what your talents are into something that is real. And I think I, t I tell that to a lot of students who are, you know, they want to pursue a creative career. It's like, first you got to realize what can you do? Like, I'm not going to be a, a painter. Um, well, I could, I mean, but I'm not going to be like this amazing, brilliant painter. I'm better at certain other things. I'm good at illustrating, but I'm like, I'm not the best illustrator, but I'm also good at like figuring out like, you know, how things work mm -hmm. and stuff. So it's like merging those things together. Um, okay, I'm find that out. And the other thing too, is I was like, you know, I also tell young people like, you're not going to know what you want to do right off. So go out there and figure stuff out, fail, do some things you don't like. Do maybe some things you kind of like. Um, you're not going to find it out. You're not going to. It's not going to get it right the first time. And um, don't like. Even when I talk to people who are older and you know maybe in their 30s or 40s and they're like, oh, I just don't like this. 
it's like, man, well, if you can have, a, if you have an opportunity to change it, do it. Um, because you don't get locked into, and you should never be locked into anything. Like this is probably one of my careers. Who knows what I'll be in, you know, 20 years or whatever else. And I hope that I can do other stuff too, you know, otherwise your brain, you know, gets slow. My dad, my dad started out, he was a um, pilot in the Navy. Then he became um, a dentist for the Navy and a neurosurgeon for the Navy. Got out there and had his own practice. Then he, he became a, then he retired and now he's a scuba instructor. Like he's had so many, and he's also like, and his other, you know, he likes to, you know, motorcycle. He's a, he's a bit more motorcyclist. And like, um, I think in between there, he learned how to ice skate. Like he did all this weird stuff. You know, he's had many careers. And like, I think it's really, ex- you know, that's the way I hope that I can be too. Like I've had these adventures. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. You went to school and during that whole time, you had to have been into Star Wars. And like outside of Macquarie, who are some other illustrators or even designers that maybe have kind of influenced you? even then or currently? Well, then, I mean, the, the big one, Macquarie, I mean, he was like beyond, he was like the Leonardo da Vinci of Star Wars, yeah. you know? So um, I was really into Nilo Rodas Gemero, oh, yeah. I think is, because I loved, like, he was my favorite, uh, one of my favorites, because I, I would, and I would always try to draw like his renderings. And I would always, like, I, I loved the way he would use the pen and the, the marker and everything. Like, I loved those yeah. drawings or a certain, certain style to it that was kind of groovy, but it wasn't, you know, because, Everything that that Macquarie did was really um, painterly and, and epic. Um, whereas I felt like Nilo, uh, his work was much more product-like yeah. and toy. Um, there was, I mean, it was still, I, I, like it was much more industrial design sort of stuff. And um, I just, I loved that. So he was one of my favorites. It was so exciting. That stuff was oftentimes more exciting that was than what was in the actual movie yeah. to me. I'm trying to think of the other artists. I mean. And I, I used to always love the, the sculptors as well. Mm-hmm. I don't remember all of their right. names. The sculptors were like just amazing too, because you know you look at those 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 busts of some of the the creatures from Return of the Jedi or just any of that stuff, and like that stuff was so incredible because you know, it was like a glob of clay and sticks sticking out of it, and it's like <laughs> it's a thing. It's some weird alien. It's amazing, <laughs> and and it and those things were. I always found those sketches to have so much more energy and personality than the actual like the actual masks. Sometimes um, uh, that stuff was always incredible. And Doug Chang, I mean, I loved his. Oh, his stuff was perfect. Like, who did I copy? I mean, like, <laughs> it was like Al Williams, who used to do the comics, the Star Wars yeah. comics in the '80s. I was, I was just talking with my niece recently, and she didn't really like that. I, um, she didn't like her drawings. She, was, oh, I'm not that good. I'm like, well, you know, we're all not very good when we're good. You know, we get, we practice, and you keep doing, you know, whatever. I said, and if you don't like how something you draw, change it. And you still say you're not good when you get older. Like, I'm still saying, I'm like, I'm still not great. <laughs> and then you look back at something you did, you know, a while back and you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> For the new book, you worked with illustrator Kevin Wilson. How was that collaboration? Was it, uh, did you like collaborate together? Like how it was going to be structured or would you build the whole like structure, like the, how it's going to work? And then he would do the illustration portion. Did you art direct him? How was that whole like? Yeah, I did. Well, I did. I always art direct any, any time that I work with an illustrator. I, and I'm not trying to be like obnoxious or anything like that. But like, I, I um, like even, look, even when I worked with Murray Sendak, I art directed. I had, <laughs> you know, because you have to tell someone you got to draw within these shapes. Mm-hmm. When, when I worked on this Star Wars book, much like many of the other books that I do when I work, when I collaborate with other artists, First, I do the paper engineering, and that takes a couple months. Like right now, I'm doing 
the paper engineering for an upcoming project that I, it's just the structure. And, and at, at the same time, I'm doing art guides for, for Kevin. And I'm sort of laying out the pieces that he needs to make. Sometimes I'll just make a shape and say, fill it with blank. But m- what I've been doing a lot lately is sort of, um, I'll either roughly sketch it out for him, the different shapes that he needs to make or the different characters he needs, needs to make. Or like with Star Wars stuff, you can find lots of visual reference. And with Lucasfilm, I was able to just like, you know, you pick pictures and I will throw it together on this gigantic document. And there'll be all these notes that say, do this, do this. And I'm really specific now about what he needs to make. Like I'll say, make the front of an ad app, make the side of an ad app, make the underneath, yeah. make the, you know, every single aspect so I can use that. Um, and so uh, he'll get these like massive sort of art guides. And, and some of them, we have photos and some of them won't. Then he'll bring, he'll send the art back to me where it's like this beautiful sort of uh, photography slash, you know, painterly you know, Drew Sturzen kind of styled mm-hmm. art. You look at this stuff, it's like, I, I, don't, I know that there's some photo aspect of it, but it also has sort of a painterly right. sort of style where, you know, it feels like it's, you know, like an oil painting a little bit and texturing. So uh, he'll bring it, send it back to me. And it takes him a while to do each one because they're nightmarish. If you like saw what I asked for. <laughs> I, and then what I do when I, when I get the art back, a lot like the characters are all in different layers in the backgrounds and you know like i'm very specific like i need trees in this layer and i need background in this so that i can like if i'm doing endor like i can separate those and move around then the next step is me putting those art pieces in you know the shapes of the the, the pop-up pieces or the die lines as their, their die lines so they'll punch out a die will punch out all the pieces of the pop-up book so i have to make those technical lines and i'll I'll put them in and kind of like do some digital collaging of his art um, and put it all in place. And sometimes, you know, I have to change things and move them around and I sort of compose it. So he makes the, you know, elements and I'll compose it. Now, like this, in some, some books I'm more specific than others um, about what he needs to make. But in this book, I just I said, just make a bunch of elements mm-hmm. and then I'll pull them all together. So after he gives me all the art pieces, then it takes me a couple of days to just pull them in and compose them. And then I have to print it out and make sure it all looks right. And, you know, there are changes that happen. And sometimes I try to sneak in things that I'm not allowed to sneak in. For example, in the Endor scene, um, there were any more uh, Ewok adventure callouts in the early prototypes than in this one. I don't remember. I think we got rid of most of the Endor movie prototypes. Like there was a blurg. I don't know. You guys know what a yeah, blurg is? Yeah, it's in Mandalorian now. Yeah, yeah. I I am a blurg fan. I'm a, a uh, Blurgapile, I guess. I think that's, the, that's the term. Um, there was a blurg in there with a, what's called a marauder, which was uh, were these villains from the Ewok movies. Right. And I put them in the back of the battle. And I think, I can't remember if the Ewok battle wagon is in there somewhere too, because I'm a big, you know, I, I'm a huge Kenner yeah. Star Wars fan. And uh, so I tried to put a few star old Star Wars toys. There was there was also a Star Wars. Um, if anyone remembers from Return of the Jedi, the Kenner collection, they had mini rigs, yeah. and um, there was an Endor mini rig. And I can't remember. It was like the it was kind of shaped like a a ergo, no, like a circle, and it had like wings behind. It's not in the final okay. one. It's not, I didn't get to put it in there in the early prototypes. Yeah. So you you sneak in little Easter eggs and have they like. Any of them actually like, gone oh, yeah. to the production that are there and like only you know where to spot them? Oh, no, like, yeah, no, there's a few little things in there. Like I'm somewhere in there. Um, my nephew, George, is as well because um, we're big Star Wars fans. Um, there's, uh, you know, we, we, we sneak in a few things, um, but, you know, we want to be respectful to, you know, Star Wars as well. They're really cool about a lot of this stuff. Like they want all those Easter eggs in there because they want people to go looking and finding those characters or those 
fun little little bit. So, you know, I, I know what to put in there. I know, you know not to put in like, you know, oh, there's a naked lady underneath the Star Destroyer. Like, I know, I'm, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Even though, wasn't that something, one of the Star Destroyers? Weren't it has there, a pinup, yeah. Yeah, pinups inside some of them. I, yeah. When I, I went to, uh, when I researched my first Star Wars pop-up book back in like 2006, I went to the archives and I saw one of those models and got to look in one of those yeah. like old, Stars for models, and I was like, "Oh my god, it really is!" In <laughs> it was wild. That was, yeah. I love it. Those models are a lot, a lot junkier than you would think. Yeah. Oh yeah, like you know, because they're all cobbled together, kitbashed. Yeah. So, how much freedom did you have putting together the concept before you know they step in and be like, "You have to include these characters or scenes in the concept piece"? Because it's a lot of information in one small little pop up that you have to jam in there. Yeah, yeah. I know what they want. Mm-hmm. I know I know where they're going with stuff, you know. So w- the concept was, uh, you know, mine. And then, you know, we're, I work with my publisher and my editor. Mm-hmm. We, we came up with a lot of different concepts initially. Like, uh, there was one version of the book, because I've done this sort of, uh, sort of map, you know, the book turns into this giant map thing or whatever um, and that you can display. And I first did that with a Game of Thrones book a few years ago. And now, you know, it I mean, it only made sense to go to Star Wars. But initially, I wanted to do some other sort of formats for the Star Wars book so that maybe the book was angled upwards uh-huh. and it would make sort of a different sort of diorama. So initially, you know, there was, we were thinking, oh, is it going to be vehicles that you can look inside and you can do stuff? Oh, that's kind of boring. Well, I wouldn't make it boring, but like, <laughs> you know, I've done some Star Wars books and they say, oh, it's, we don't want it to be like that. And so, you know, I came up with all these different versions of how the book could fold. And, oh, I don't know, you know, and then we, 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 we get, we kind of started at this initial, the, the final concept was the initial idea. Mm-hmm. And then they go, well, uh, I don't, it wasn't even Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm was like, whatever you want to do. They're cool because we've worked together and they trust me. And, I trust, you know, and then, you know, but the publisher was like, I don't know. Can we try something else? We do something else. And then, you know, we go to this you know, sort of different um, structure. And then there was a point where we were going to do something that were, it was like dimensional movie posters that had some sort of transformative aspect to them, which was kind of a cool idea. And then maybe it would be like this, you could look at it like a book and then you could also maybe turn it into a giant wall hanging mm-hmm. with all of the things open. And some of the, the posters might've transformed and changed so that you could maybe have fighting or, you know, you could, you know, change the posters, but it's kind of like, well, you already got posters. Like, so yeah. why remake a post, you know, posters are flat. Yeah. So we ended up doing that. And then we ended up coming back to this, but just making them, there'd be a lot of lip sort of action and interactive sort of pieces in there. Right. But it was a hard book because there's some weird engineering in it. Um, some of it, uh, you know, like I, I wonder if it was successful, but like we, I have to try it yeah. in order to uh, see if it works. And, you know, because Star Wars deserves, look, not every Star Wars innovation worked, right? Um, some of the, some of the pops that I really thought were different and might work, you know, some work okay and some, you know, but I, I feel like I need to innovate and try new things when it comes to yeah. Star Wars. It's that, you know, it's very inspiring that way. Yeah, there's definitely a few in there that I'm really impressed with. The, my favorite in the entire book is the solo Falcon to the original trilogy Falcon. I think that's such a cool, little, oh. yeah, really, really neat. And it's small, and but like it's real. I love uh, the shape work. Yeah. And um, but changing that was well, I knew I had to yeah. do with with it was like I gotta have that happen. So that one was really that one is really 
one of my favorites. I love the, um, well, each one has different parts of it. You know, I like the moving walkers and um, some of the stuff, you know, works better than others when, you know, because it has to be built over and over again. Some things don't quite make it, you know, sometimes because they're handmade, you know, pop-up books are uh, a handmade thing and like every one of them has a little bit of a difference. So, you know, some things work as well, better than others. There's, there's quite a bit in this book that's, that's different and weird. Like the way the Death Star opens up is very, a very strange mechanism. Um, and I, I'm just excited that it works most of the time and um, have to experiment and try new things. Otherwise, this, like what I do gets really boring. Like I could, like I've done a lot of shapes. So it's like, okay, well, I've done a sphere, but I don't, I've never done one like that. Right. So you gotta, you gotta push it. Uh, otherwise, you just feel like you're doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, well, I think you did. I mean, I was sitting over here before we called you, and I'm opening up, and I'm just going pew pew or ex- making explosion noises. You know, I'm in my 30s, and it's still awesome. Look, I am 48 years old, <laughs> and I do this while I'm making it. Okay, like, I'm, like I, 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 this is what I like. I can't even help it. Like, I think I was doing it. I don't know who was I was interviewing or talking on a panel and talking about it and it's like look at, look at this part and then they do a, you know and um, it should make us do that it should make us because that's what we, you know this I think the the movies make us feel not not just young but they just they bring out that part of us that play that you know like that that fantasy and like we should never ever feel like that is something our age shouldn't do. Um, I recently went on a Disney cruise as a sort of a guest and sort of stuff like that. There were a lot of retirees on the um, cruise. And I just loved that, like, they were sitting on deck, even when it was crappy weather out, watching these Disney movies and singing the songs and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I think it's like, they're not, they loved it. They loved it so much. They were out there in the rain (laughs) watching these movies or doing whatever. And I just like, you know, I don't ever... I guess um, I, I don't ever want to feel like I'm this age and I shouldn't do that. I, it brings me to that, you know, that happy place in my childhood or whatever. I, don't, I never felt like I, the, the, my childhood like never ended. Mm-hmm. Part of that, you know, making me feel excited and inspired. And, um, and I love that. So, that, you know, even on the Disney cruise, seeing, you know, a lot of retirees and older people, like, they just, man, it makes you feel good. Yeah. You should never be embarrassed or... I always hate that that term. Um, with the, um, what's a guilty pleasure? Yeah. You should never be guilty about any pleasure. <laughs> that is, you know, unless it hurts somebody, I guess. But you know, like, but uh, like things that make you happy, you know, you shouldn't be guilty about that. Definitely, definitely. definitely. Celebration. You were walking around as a Tuscan Raider. Are you going to 2020 celebration? And mm-hmm. do you have plans for a new outfit? I got, I've got to. Yeah, I want to go for 2020 definitely. Yeah. And uh, I've got to. I've got to figure out a. a costume i really that costume was last minute like i didn't even know that i was going to be going until the very last minute so my my tuscan rayer costume was kind of lame so i got to come up with something better um i i was really like ever since i've seen the mandalorian costume like i like oh man i gotta have a uh i gotta have a, a you know a set of armor but like there's gonna be so many really good right. ones so i'm gonna have to, but you know you don't want to be too obscure either because then people are like what are you and then you know, then there's the joke ones, but uh, I, I don't know. I got to I got to work on it, but I, I will definitely be in some sort of costume because it's, it's no fun if you're right. not. You're the only guest we've ever interviewed in costume. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll have to. We'll give uh, you yeah. yeah, no, I love it. Great. Now I've got that. Yeah. I mean, because I, I know on maybe it was on that cruise that you did a pop up class. And what I was thinking is like, that'd be incredible for celebration, like teaching people kind of. That that, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. 
what we did on, on the Disney one, we actually did like a DIY. So it was pre-made. Um, maybe we should talk to people at Celebration so go. that you can get an exclusive right. one that you can, you know, that they can pre-print because it was really cool that, that like Disney, of course they do it like, right. you know, so they like, I, I just, when people have something that's pre-made that it's a lot more, it's a lot easier, but I like teaching like from the ground up. Like that's the really yeah. good, that's the really fun sort of teaching when you, you got a piece of paper, scissors and tape, let's make something and uh, it's okay if you make mistakes and you know, let's like go from the ground up, but uh, who knows, who knows? Maybe I'll figure out, maybe I'll make a template myself and give it out. Who knows? We'll talk to the celebration yeah. people. We'll make it happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll call the higher ups. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please do. <laughs> God, where is it? Is it, is it Anaheim? It's Anaheim. So that'll be, that'll yeah. be a fun time. Yeah. I, well, work, I, I've been, you know, it's nice. Disney's been, I think, I think Disney's been, you know, pretty cool with what they've been doing with Star Wars. I think it's just exciting that there's all this stuff. Uh, we're getting a lot more than we were. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the, the one thing I'm, I'm always, I'm not as excited about, like, uh, I wish there were, like, with the publishing program, I feel like it's kind of a little limited because they're only allowed to go in certain places. Right. Which I understand, you know, like, they don't want to wreck the movie stuff, but, but they've done some, I, I think, like, the comics are amazing. Yeah. Um, the Marvel comics, I love that, especially the, the main line comic has been great in the there's a new one that's like Target Vader, which is great. Mm -hmm. The comics have been great. I've been trying to keep up with the books. I know there was a new book that came out today. Um, so I got to get on listening to that. You know, it's just, it's cool. I can't wait for Resistance. I can't, or excuse me, I can't wait for, I mean, obviously the movie, but like um, Mandalorian, yeah. to see how that's going to go. I can't wait for the Cassian Andor. Yeah, that's like, crazy. That's going to be, I hope that they do some other animated show um, aside from, I wish that they would do like full on anime. Yeah. Like, Full on anime because Resistance wasn't really real anime. It was still CG, right. um, CGI sort of modeling, but it was uh, like real, like stylized Japanese anime. That would be, yeah. I mean, I don't see why. Not. I, I think that's one thing. Like with Star Wars, I know it all has to be within the same universe and has to be in the same, you know, canon. But I think that there should be a lot more visions of it that should be different. Are we going to have a noir Star Wars? You know, movie oh, like that. Maybe some of the characters look different. I mean, they look different, but it's still in the same world. So that they, it's just someone's. It's just like returning. We're, we're, you know, we're putting on a new pair of glasses, but looking at the same world. Like, I would love to see that. I would love to see, you know, like like Japanese anime star. I would love to see all these different mm -hmm. interpretations while still in that universe. And I know that right now they're really scared about showing anything that isn't Star Wars right. looking. But I think that they're going to loosen up and we're going to start seeing some of that. And when we start seeing other artists, storytellers, divert visions of Star Wars, I think it's really going to get interesting. So, so I, I love these different interpretations. I'm really excited about where things are going. And um, I think that they're going to, I think Lucasfilm and Disney Wars are going to start to sort of loosen up where things go and what they do, you know, what they do with things. So it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, and, and they're keeping an eye on things, you know, so that, you know, they don't have canon issues. Right. Um, yeah, there's always someone who can write. Always. Yeah. It was a dream. <laughs> you know, whatever, so. it's a, it's, I think it's a great time. It's a cool time to be a Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah. I think. And then, you know, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan when there's a new Matthew Reinhardt pop-up book on my doorstep once every couple of years. So, uh, <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, thank you for, for coming back on and yeah, yeah, thank you. talking. This was, this was the best, so. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, of course. And hopefully we see you at Celebration next year and we'll, we'll see what cosplay you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might not even know who I am. I am partial to Hut. Maybe I'll okay. get some, I don't know. You need multiple people in the suit, though. Yeah, you need someone working the tail. And yeah. Oh, I might. 
Or like a roller skate at the yeah, end of the tail. Yeah, that's a good idea. The, well, you if know. you need someone we're, operating the eyes or something, just let us know. I'll get we'll, on the tail. We'll I'll just in, like, yeah. you know. I will. I will. Thank All you. All right. Thanks, Mr. Reinhardt. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you to Mr. Reinhardt for coming on the show again and being so great and so inspirational. I would like to reiterate that we are not joking about helping operate his Java cosplay at Celebration. Of course, thank you as well to Eric Chang at Inside Editions for being such a huge supporter of this show and helping to coordinate this interview. The incredible Ultimate Pop-Up Galaxy is in stores now and really is a perfect holiday gift for all ages. Next week, as a Thanksgiving treat, we have Academy Award winner Craig Barron. So stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you.